Matt Robinson, we were gonna we were gonna die here together. And then the Lord scattered us all. And when he started to put this closing in my heart, I was like, but to what? And he wouldn't give me the answer. What was next? And if if you know me, I really like to be the one that has the answers. Um, and so it was really a humbling experience. Uh, as my season closed here, and everyone said, well, what are you going to go do? And my answer was, I'm not sure. Um, the faces were like, well, what do you mean? Um, and I don't know, except for that the Lord told me to. And here's, here's the thing that I want to put in your hearts. When I was leaving here, I didn't know what was next, but the only thing that God would tell me was to find a church that's on mission. That's, that was the only word that I had from him. So I prayed about three churches, one that was um, in College Station, one that was in North Houston, and one that was in Fort Worth. And actually, you kind of went and saw people there. They didn't know yet, even, that I was leaving. But I just was praying. Um, and, I, and I planted myself in Mount Valley, in College Station, without a job, which was like, thank you. So I moved here without a job, into a church, um, which I don't know if you know this, but that does not pay bills. Uh, so this was like a big thing. Um, but in doing so, God opened the door for the most incredible, um, the most perfectly fit job for me. And had I gone looking for this job, I wouldn't have found it. I didn't know it existed. Does that make sense? But because I went looking for the kingdom of God, the Lord led me to the perfect job. And so I just want to challenge you. I know that's a scary thing to do, to choose a community um, over a job. But there's a lot of jobs all over the place, and our God is really big. There's not a lot of great churches. Actually, there are right here, but they're hidden all around, right? And you can go somewhere for a great job. If you don't have a community to plant yourself in, you're just not going to make it. Um, so I just want to flip that script a little bit for you and encourage you and challenge you to think about the kingdom of God first, trusting uh, that the Lord's going to provide the work for you as you go. So Rick's going to talk a little bit about why we work. chapter 1, 27 to 28, uh, and then we'll go ahead and pray. Is that okay? Lord, thank you for our time here. We can't get these moments back, and this time matters, and it's yours. I pray that your Holy Spirit would fill this place, and that every heart in here would yield and open itself to hear you. Not me, not dumb jokes, but your convictions. Speak to us, Lord, forever in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. It's nice to meet you. You're the, you guys are the, the face and you are the shoulders of this generation. You get to carry the cross of Christ in your world. We don't take that lightly. So I know Jason probably told you I have a bunch of dumb stories. I want to hold those for an after party or something. <laughs> because uh, we want to leave you with something that, that will carry you. Right? And that's the Lord. Genesis 1, 27 and 28. It says, So God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God's got pronouns, John. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, 
Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Subdue it. And have dominion over all the fish in the sea, over all the birds in the air, and over every living thing that moves in the earth. Holy Spirit, speak in your word. Give us new understanding of truth. We belong to God. Whether you realize it or not, He is God. We use a lot of vocabulary that we get to change. You get to change. You guys get to carry a more accurate uh, original truth going forward. Okay, so when we speak of the Lord, He is God. You don't make Him God. We use that a lot. Make Him God, right? Uh, he is God. He created the heavens and the earth. Everything in it is His. You just come to the realization, the reconciliation of who He already is. Is that right? Okay. Everybody say, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. All right, cool. So we understand that. Genesis 2, 8 and 9 says, The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground of the earth, God made every tree grow that is present or pleasant to the sight and good for food. If we were to skip to verse 15, it says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. You realize that's the first thing God said to mankind? Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have it. So, we talk about the Great Commission. We're going to come back to that. But what I'm telling you is, as mankind, your first calling is to go put order in the universe. Cool? But everyone knew God in those days. Might, you might say this like, Adam and Eve knew God, right? Those generations after him, they knew God. So he's telling them, you know, the message to them is to go uh, be fruitful. In Genesis 8, 17, God says to Noah, okay, this is centuries later. <laughs> Bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds and cattle and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Creepy. So that they may abound on the earth and be fruitful and multiply the earth. Same message, right? Right on. So put order to chaos. I want to hand you some purpose as you go out into the world or you go out into ministry. Okay, work. I think one of the reasons Jason may have asked us to speak is because we don't have such a, uh, in our hearts, we, we don't have such a hard line between what's ministry and what's secular. We don't really use that terminology. It's just given that everything's secular. <laughs> we 
You willing to be an OG? Let's look at how God created and recreated the world. Genesis 1, 1 and 2, right from the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was all over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, let there be, let there be. So God started with putting order to chaos. Isn't that cool? You see how we are created in his image. You see that he didn't call us to do something that's not originally in his heart first that he didn't already do, right? Right on. So we carry on in his likeness. By the work we do, by the work we do in the temporal world, this is a unique relationship that we have with God, right? Therefore, work, uh, work develops and reflects this relationship with God. So as you go out, as you become a police officer, a teacher, uh, a business person, uh, it took me a little while to reprogram myself. You know what I mean? Like, how in the world do I talk about Jesus at meetings where I really have financial statements all day? You know what I mean? Um, I'm trying to like, how can I use ROI to talk about God? You know what I mean? It's a little tough at first. <laughs> I look like an idiot at a few like meetings. Then it's okay to step back and let your actions speak. You know what I mean? It's also not okay to step back and not say what needs to be said. Yeah. Both true. Whichever one you're more comfortable with is probably the one you should do. <laughs> um, Amber's gonna read a story in Matthew 25, 14 through 30. And as she reads this uh, story, uh, I want you to put yourself in the story as the slacker. Okay. Verse 14, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them, and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. 
Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there, you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten. For everyone who has, more will be given, and he who have, and he will have abundance. But from whom, but from him who does not have, even what he does will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So that's to be the slacker, right? <laughs> Do you see the relationship on how your work is from and for God? Think about your talents, right? Uh, that was a little bit hard for me to relate to because I don't really have any talents. Uh, I don't play sports. I was always kind of fat. We, we play board games, I always lose. No, this is what happens with board games, okay? This man doesn't like to play board games. So, like, let's say you're playing Scrabble and you want to win. Do you know what he's trying to do? He's trying to spell butthole, okay? That's what he's doing. That's why he doesn't win board games. The boys having fun, right? I sing in church, like I can sing with Amber singing along if I'm in a crowd, or, or Richard and Sam, or I can like feel like you feel yourself singing. But one time I was in a car and I, I sang out loud with a song. It's like my voice cracked. Ah. So it's a little hard for me to relate to talents. Like I'm thinking, Lord, what talents do I have? Um, the biggest talent you can have is your faith and dependence on the Holy Spirit. Right? I don't know if I want to say this, but I, I do because, well, I have a degree from Sam Houston State of Business. Woo! Come on. The company that I work for most of my career, they, let's just say there's not any Sam Houston State business people there. <laughs> Normally you have a master's from the Ivy League school, then you sold your soul to the, yeah, the devil. <laughs> and not really, but you went through these years of internship, you know, and you, you finally got your job in your late 20s. And, you know, you, you worship a company logo or something, you know. Um, and, and that's literally how you get in. They have to have a relationship with these certain universities, and they have this program that kind of weeds people out, even those kind of people. And I'm like, man, if it weren't for Microsoft Word, I couldn't even spell. Like, I went to San Houston. No offense. 
Y'all were, were smart. I was more like D for degree. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> so, what, what I'm saying is, I had to depend on God if I was going to make I had to depend on God if I was going to make it. And it never fails. The Lord would give me insight into something. Um, I, I originally started off working for a much smaller company. Um, that, you know, you knock on the door of a hospital and they're like, who are you? What, what company now? You know what I mean? Like, you're not on the vendor approved list. You gotta go, you know. Um, but the Lord would open a window. I would be somewhere random and come across it, you know, literally like, I, I would be having a conversation with someone that I had no idea it was like, you know, the CEO of a hospital. And I was just out for a job, all fat, sweaty, and you know what I mean? Like, that's the Holy Spirit. You know what I mean? Like, you, there's not even like anything. There's not even like a cool story. Like, hey, this is this cool thing I thought of, and like it worked. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> that would be best bet today. What do you do? Oh, you know what? I work. I sell it. It's better than everything else. Whatever. Yeah. Oh, cool. Here's my card. You should come by and see you. You know what I mean? Like, so one domino leads to another. And then you eventually get an offer from the big company that only hires from because they're trying to take you off the street because you're taking them. They got 80% market share in a matter of four or five years. They lose 30, 40% of it. They'll just kind of buy you up. They're like, hey, here's a job. Sit back over there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's hilarious. So what I'm saying is it's really uncool to me. There's nothing cool, but you see how the Holy Spirit is who, if that's the greatest talent you have, yeah. if nothing else, your faith in the Lord. Yeah. In that, he taught me amazing things, and then the Lord has just absolutely, I mean, from a business perspective, the Lord has really given us a, a kingdom and an influence in, in the market in Texas, and it's mind-blowing. I don't want to get into the details of that, but what I do want to say is your biggest talent is your faith in God. Yeah. So you don't have any excuses. Yeah. Alright. So, the, the guy in that story that did the time, in verse 27 it said, you could have put it with the bankers, right? Those are the ones collecting and, and putting to use the harvest. Okay? There is something to be said, because there's kind of a, in our culture, there can kind of be like this idea that I'm going to go out in the marketplace, and I'm going to send a bunch of money to Jason to take over the world, right? We're going to support him. That's what I'm going to do. You know what I mean? That actually, I'm give. That's going to clear my conscience, right? There's actually something to be said about that. That would be like putting your, at least putting your money in the bank. You're not as cool as guy number one or guy number two, let's be honest, right? But at least you wouldn't be, you lazy idiot, you know what I mean? Like you could have at least put, you know what I mean? So there is something to be said if you do kind of like, if you if you are taking your resources and giving them to God, he will honor that. It's right here. It's right here, it's what he says. You could at least put it with bankers. Of the three servants, which was the most valuable, right? The one that he gave the, the talent to, 
in the next life. That's something to think about. So it's good to give. It's better to go. Okay, it's coming from a guy that that gives. So if you're leaving and you're not one of the one of those good servants, unless you're going, does that make sense? Yeah. Let's talk about let's zoom in on, on what it what what do I mean by leaving versus going? Um, best way to do this is to kind of present the next calling from the Lord. Um, in the New Testament, we're, we're given a new mission and a new purpose. First was what? Put order into chaos, right? Recreate. Well, now, thousands of years later, Jesus comes and he redefines our, our purpose. Yeah, so so why do we work? Did you catch that? What's the first calling to work? To put order to chaos, to recreate, right? And God's second command, it comes in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen, right? And that's our command. That's not Jason's command. That's not Trevor's command. That's not uh, the Lester's who are over in Israel, right? That's not the command of a missionary. That's the command of a disciple. So if you're a disciple of Christ, as you go from here, that's what Rick's talking about. We're not just leaving. We're going, right? You're going into the schools. You're going into business. You're going in to make disciples of all nations. And so I just want to encourage you. It's been a little heavy, but it's exciting to be ministering for Jesus in the marketplace. Um, it's different than Kayafa, for sure. It's, it's different than college, right? I mean, duh. Um, it's a big change. Um, there's a lot of adjustments, but it's really a really wonderful place to be because all day, every day, at least 40 hours a week, you're around these people. Um, you're in the community. You're interacting with people that you never would have before. God's opening all of these doors um, if our eyes are open for it. So I wanted to share just some cool stories with you. I'd say there's three ways that we expand the kingdom of God as we go into the marketplace, as we go to make disciples of all nations. I think firstly, we make an impact in the community. Secondly, in the local church. And thirdly, in our own hearts for God. And I just want to touch on each of those. Um, we have some really cool stories. Um, I think building the kingdom of God in the marketplace, what can be challenging about it when you step out of here is that it just does not look the same. There's not a group of eight or ten girls who want to always meet at your house at eight o'clock at night every Wednesday because they, they just don't want to work with that to be in the next morning. And so it takes some creativity and some flexibility to see how God would use you. Yeah. Um, and, and the first few months, first year of being at the job that I'm, I'm in now, I felt a little frustrated because no one would come to church with me. Uh, nobody wanted to, no matter how many invitations I made. And, and then I realized 
that's actually not necessarily building God's kingdom. Just getting people to accept my invitation in Mount Valley isn't necessarily building God's kingdom. And so I asked them to help me get flexible and creative. And so I have, in humility, I'd say I have several disciples that have come through my life in the ministry that I work in the marketplace right now that have never set foot in Mount Valley, but they're in the kingdom of God. And so maybe the fruit doesn't look quite the same. I have a wonderful girl named Aubrey who came and worked for us for a year. And in that year, the discipleship that happened in her heart was incredible, but nobody in my church knows about it. Um, they don't need to, like Jesus does. We had some really significant conversations about our relationships and about our family, and we prayed together. And when she left, when God moved her on, I knew that I had been faithful to what God had asked me to do in her life. It didn't, it didn't build Mount Valley, but it built God's kingdom. And so we just have to ask God. My, my hope is always to become Mount Valley because I love the church, but but Mount Valley is going to be gone. Heaven's going to be there forever. And I know Aubrey's going to be there. She never came to Mount Valley, but she's going to be in heaven with me. And that's pretty incredible. We have, um, when I think about opportunities in the community, I remember just being so uh, nervous at first, like waiting for the right moment to be like, I'm a Christian. Um, and you spend all these weeks and months and waiting for the right opportunity, and then you realize you've actually missed it just right from the outset, because there's no like right opportunity. Um, if Jesus is my best friend, then I ought to talk about him, and it should be natural. And so I learned kind of the hard way by missing opportunities, by waiting for the right opportunity um, to be a witness for Jesus. And I think, you know, thankfully, his, his grace is sufficient, and he's forgiven me. But now I just kind of go there. I met with a woman the other day in the community that wanted to meet about an opportunity. And she just happened to mention, it was like this brief thing about this job for her. And it was like, ding, 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 Holy Spirit. And I just said, hey, can we stop? Can I pray with you for that? And then the whole meeting was like out the window. And we talked about this area of her heart with God that she'd been wrestling with. And I wonder how many of those people I missed because I was like waiting for the like, do you know Jesus? Or do you, do you have any questions about the Bible? Like those kinds of things. Just looking for open doors. It's pretty rad. So in the community, we're growing God's kingdom. In our church, Rick and I have the privilege of being a part of uh, Mount Valley Family Small Groups. And actually, um, Leanne Jones and Ryan, I think you guys might have met Ryan. He was here on Tuesday, I think it was. He's a police officer. We co-led a family small group with them last year. And um, John and his wife, Anna, were in our family small group um, last year. And now, this year, um, Ryan and Lee are resource leaders, or what do you guys call them now, company leaders? And then John and the family small group, they're here, that's my pointing, not just like over the college station, but Anna and John like, showed up. They're leading a small group, and Rick and I are leading a new small group. And uh, it's been really exciting. It's really strange. Um, you kind of gather together. Here it's like, it's strange, but everybody's looking for friends at 18, so it's like less strange to be like, do you want to come to my house for pizza? Because um, you're like, anything free sounds good. Um, but old, older people can usually pay for stuff, so they think it's weirder when you ask them to come to your house, and you don't know them. Uh, but we have, we've got this group of, what, there's 12 of us that are gathering on Sunday nights, and um, it's slow and painful in a different way. We're becoming friends, we're having great conversations about God, they've got good minds, um, but we're not yet friends. So you can pray for us on Sunday nights, we meet at 5, um, actually this week we're going to meet at 3, pray for us. We're going to try to have um, some good competition, we're going to have some fun in the afternoon and try to, try to go deeper and be friends, but it's hard. Um, but we just don't give up. And our prayer this year, we're praying two things for our small group, that we'll become friends and that they'll become readers. And we feel like, sorry? No, we cannot lose <laughs> Actually, that could actually win this group. They think Rick is 
you guys, if you could be in our small group, there's many times where I'm like, Richard! <laughs>
But the truths and the convictions that are true here, they're true there. Yeah. It just might be a little bit harder because there's not 300 people yeah. sewing with me. Does that make sense? It's going to take a little bit longer. And you're going to have to dig a little bit deeper to get to the well. And that you're going to need a kind of endurance and perseverance that sometimes is hard to find um, when you're on your own. But when you do that, what you're going to see is not only is God growing his kingdom in your church and in your community, but he's growing his kingdom in your heart. And that's a piece of the fruit of our lives. In John 15, it's like one of my favorite passages. It talks about the fruit of what happens when we abide in Christ. And it's the fruit of disciples, and it's the fruit of his character being developed in me. And as you go and you're challenged, if you'll grow deep with Jesus and press in heart, you'll find his kingdom grows deeper in your heart. Last thing I want to say is just this idea. We talk here, I think you guys will talk here about being a thermostat. Do you guys talk about this? Yeah, it is really, it sucks sometimes to be a thermostat in the marketplace, okay? Can you say sucks? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I said butthole. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's not the worst. Where is Jason? That's not the worst thing I've said in my microphone accent, actually. I wish I could tell you guys that story. It's actually, I'm gonna, okay? Eli Vocher was out of town, praise God. And I uh, was over on the other side of the world, actually. And I was giving away, oh, is Kent here still? Yes. Are you Kent? Where are you Kent? Okay. Oh, hey. Hey. Okay, listen. Okay, I was such a jerk. Um, as many people like Kent and Jordan can attest to. Um, but we were doing an Elijah series. Do you remember this, Jason? And we were giving away a book every week, okay? And they let me do this with a microphone. I don't know why they gave me the microphone as often as they did. Because I regularly said things that I have not to have been said and they fooled myself. But this week, oh, there's so many stories like my brain. This week, Ken said, hey, can I have the book? And I was like, I'll think about it. I don't know why I was so rude. So then when it's time for me to get up there, I was like, okay, I'm going to give away the Elijah book. And I was like, Ken? And he stands up with this huge smile on his face. I want you to pick a friend for me to give this book to. <laughs> I was like, I want the book. And I was like, dude, I am so tired of giving. So here's what I meant to say, okay? I meant to say, I am so tired. I said, pick a friend. When he's up reading it, he'll give it to you and you can read it. Because I'm tired of giving books to people who let them go. What I intended to say was sit on a shelf. And instead, <laughs> instead, I didn't say sit. Do you understand what I said? I said something else on a self, and like 500 students lost their minds. As did I. I have never been nervous in my life. I have like racing thoughts. I'm like, Eli's going to fire me. How will I look in the eye? I did not know how to. I was like, this is what a panic feels like. I've never felt that. And people are like, sometimes I get hot and nervous when I talk. I'm like, yes.
They hurt, hurt people hurt people, you know what I'm saying? And lost people know how to stir up some stuff. But all of a sudden, it was like whiplash. I was like greeted into this office. I thought, this is going to be so great. And then within a matter of months, it was like ice in that office. And I could not figure out what was happening. And no matter how cheerful I was, no matter how kind I was, uh, it was a blizzard, you know? And here's the thing I had to keep telling myself. I'm not working for them. I'm working for Jesus. And I knew God had me there. As cold as it was, I kept trying to turn that thermostat up, and it was like staying on ice. And it took a really, really, really long time. And, and, I'll, and I'll tell you, that the Lord's been faithful, and I have a lot of influence there now um, that I wouldn't have had if I had bowed out real quick because it was uncomfortable. Uh, it's hard to be a thermostat when it's just you. But remember this, it isn't just you, right? The kingdom of God is going for you by the power of the Holy Spirit, and he goes with you. You're not alone. And um, yeah, so be sure that in your heart, you know who you are in who he is, and you know who you work for. And no matter what happens, you stay true to who God's called you to be. And if you don't know who you are before you get there, you don't know whose you are before you get there, you're going to fall for a lot of stuff really quickly. Um, but you don't have to. You can be a thermostat. Don't, don't go in there and take the temperature and adjust yourself to it because you'll look back in a few weeks or months or years and you'll be really sad. Cool? Rick, you want to talk about building that one? Absolutely. Are we going too long? Okay. So the smartest thing I ever did when I left, so when you graduate, you know, there's next year or whatever. The smartest thing I did was keep up with my friends. Um, because after I left, uh, I kept up with Richard, I kept up with Jason, I kept up with Jonathan, I kept up with all my friends. Um, The storms came in life. You know, Amber mentioned at the beginning that um, things got rough. And I had to, I'll come back to that in a minute, but I had to decide, is this stuff true? What do I have my weight behind? Um, the tendency can be, you know what? Richard's a musician. He doesn't really know what I'm dealing with, right? Or Jason, you know, he's a he's a preacher. He doesn't. I need to talk to people that are Christian and to do what I do, right? That's kind of what that first step goes. I'm not saying it's bad to consult Christians. But what I'm saying is, who's in that inner circle of your heart? Is this somebody you met in the last year or two? Just saying, that should be a place someone kind of has to earn through the course of life. You know what I mean? Um, just cover a few things. Ecclesiastes. Do we still use the Paul and Timothy? Who's your Paul? Who's your Timothy? Yeah. Okay, that don't go away when you get here, right? Ecclesiastes 4, 9, uh, 10, and 10 say, uh, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Um, (coughs) 
I brought work into these guys. I, I talk, this is what's going on in my life. This is what I'm up against. Okay, Jason. So, all our work meetings are at bars. So remember all the frat guys back at school, now they're capital equipment sales reps. <laughs> and the meetings are at bars, what do I do? Yeah, I mean, your temptation will be, okay, he's a campus pastor, he doesn't understand what you're up against, right? He'll say something like, well, just don't drink. I mean, if you meet at the bar, you have to go, right? Yeah, you don't have to drink. Man, that's just awkward. That's just awkward, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so they'll like anyone, you know what I mean? And you're just like, set it there. Because if you don't drink it, they don't bring it home. It's kind of cool. So, I'm not trying to get religious. I'm just trying to tell you where I was and what I was up against. And what, what the Lord told me in that situation, right? You can't say, Lord, tell me what to do. When he tells you, you go, nah. That's religious. If you say, Lord, I really want to know what to do. And then he tells you something, do it. Right? Loving God is a man. Um, well, you know what? I guess it turned out to be right, preacher. Because when those guys hit hard times in life, guess who they called? When they got themselves in a mess and they got bad and they wanted out, they're not calling those guys. They're going to call you. Right? Why are they going to call you? Because you're different. Right? And you're not a stuffy person. You're fun. You're just... You're not having the same exact kind of fun, that's all. You know? First um, John 2.17 says, The word, the world and its desires pass away, but whosoever does the will of God lives forever. Ecclesiastes 1 and 2 says, Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. That's encouraging. <laughs> Jeremiah 2.13 I came from a guy that had the wisdom of the Lord but he was uh, he was walking away from the Lord in his heart wasn't he? Jeremiah 2.13 For my people have committed two evils they have forgotten me the fountain of living water to make for themselves cisterns broken cisterns that can hold no water they found something else as their identity, right? Um, I wonder what bumper stickers are in the cars that you guys have. You know what I mean? I used to have one that said, lost your cat. Try looking under my tires. Bad joke, I know, I know, I know. I've changed, kind of. What was I trying to put my identity on? Right? That, that, that's not my car anymore. Not the cats, the bumper um, if, if you... A lot of us have Sam Houston shirts on. If you're into cycling, maybe you have, you know, cycling stuff. If you're into coffee, maybe you have coffee stuff. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, are you finding your identity in something else? 
your race, your history, anything that's not Jesus, right? We have affiliations with these. I mean, God put us here, right? And he, and he, we're here to subdue and take over and, and have these things, right? It's, I'm not trying to get the extreme, but what I'm saying is in your heart, in your soul, what do you really, what image are you trying to portray? Right? Are you, are you trying to be like a soccer person? Right? Oh, I'm a teacher. Teachers, teachers, teachers. Everything says teachers. Right? Cops got blue line. See my, you know. What is your identity? Is it Christ? For my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living water, to make themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that hold no water. Hey guys, these things don't last forever anyway. You know? Which brings me to the next point. Don't live a selfish life. Okay? Um, there's at least two people in here that want to be missionaries. There's at least two people in here that want to be marketplace warriors, whatever the term is today. It's cool. There's two people. Imagine two over here, two over here. Um, they both. Let's say the two that want to be missionaries full time. They both carry books. Okay. They both sign up for an internship, right? Uh, they both carry Bibles. They both teach class. Okay? And in the end, God accepts the sacrifice of one and not the other. Two people go in the marketplace saying, I'm going to go take over this thing for God. They, they go join a church and they leave a small group. God accepts the sacrifice of one and not the other. Why? You see, it's what's in your heart. That's what he knows. I have thought I've had people figure it out, and then, whoa, something happens, you know. God knows what's going on in your heart. Motive. Do we still say why we do the things we do and who we go for? Yeah, that's still true, guys. Proven true. Um, in business, we have a, a point where we we have to close, you know, where you close the deal. Ultimately, what it is, it's the ask. What do you ask? At the end of the day, what are you asking? You give them a lot of information, but what are you, what are you asking? What we're asking you to do tonight is let go of your small ambitions. The things that... Look in your heart. Holy Spirit. Open the eyes of our hearts. Let's be honest tonight. Look in your heart. What are you really living for? Are you trying to be cool in some way? Are you trying to be respected in some way? Are you trying to be wanted? by a certain person or group of people. You have this, I want that, I'm going for that. And it's something that's not Jesus himself. 
you have that going on? I did. The ask is let it go. Are you finding your identity in something else other than Jesus? Are we forgetting that it was John the Baptist that said he must become greater and I must become less? Is your greatest talent your identity or is your greatest talent your greatest talent your faith in God? So now that you know what I'm asking you to let go of, what am I asking you to grab hold of? Jesus. I know that sounds very simple. Well, what I mean is, don't hide in the safety of being a lukewarm, conservative, church-going person. Don't hide behind that. Okay. Let God produce the fruit. We're going to ask that you make this commitment in your heart. So I hope you're preparing your heart and, and looking inside of yourself. Okay, the world tells you it's not your fault. What's wrong with you? You know, um, just forget about. You know what I mean? Like, I'm here to tell you. No, it's your fault. You got something in you that's not perfect. It, you can't give God something you don't know. If it's somebody else's fault, if it's a vision or a desire that's just there because you know I'm a flesh and a person and it's normal. Well, you don't own it. I'm also asking you to own it. Because until you own it, you can't give it away. If you're wondering why you can't let go of it, it's because you don't fully own it. Okay? When you leave this calling, this moment with God, and you go forward tomorrow, how can you maintain this conviction? With your friends and with your devotion life? You know, I said the smartest thing I did was keep up with my friends. A few years after I graduated, someone in my inner circle of my family who, you know, I've lived my whole life with, something horrible happened to her. Uh, she got brutally raped. And my heart was broken because I was one, I could distinctly remember praying, God, you know, protect my from this. Why did it happen? You know. So I called Richard Gandy. <laughs> Dude, Richard shows up with a guitar and he doesn't have the answers, but he's got a guitar. And we worship and I cried. Like you did it, like whoa, solid, you know. But I met with God. We didn't have. What, what I was dealing with was my imagination. You, you know, can you imagine the sense of 
justice and righteousness that breathes in you. Can you imagine the imagination you have for some dirt? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeesh, it's not good. But I cried and I gave it to God and I held it. Um, when we say, let go of your rights, right? We're not talking like the constitutional rights. When someone wronged you, 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 the justice has a right to be mad about this thing. To be mad at this family member, the evil they did. Or to be mad at this random person, the evil they did. To be mad at whatever. I, I deal with this, this person because you, you, you're right. What they did was wrong. Don't take away from that. I had to let go of the right that I had to be angry about this and trust the Lord. It says, vengeance is mine. I didn't want to let go of it. But I did, and I couldn't until I owned it. Does that make sense? Shortly after that, my wife passed away. She, I mean, she got diagnosed with cancer in her 20s in perfect shape. Didn't make any sense. Um, pretty sure this is one of those things we pray never happened. For 11 months, she suffered excruciating pain. Nephrostomy um, on one side, colostomy on the other. Pains, I don't think, for 11 months, I slept one to two hours at a time. Uh, begging God for a miracle. Um, and she took her last breath for us while I was begging God for a miracle. And then it happened. She went to be with the Lord. And, uh, you know, you wonder, are all these things true? But the Bible says, if you, if you pray this way, this thing will happen. Did, I don't trust any of this one. I know what it's like to go to church and hear these songs. They, they, they rub in. You know, you, you'll hear like God's your healer in a song. And you're like, well, is he? You know, like you you'll hear a preacher say a script, and it's kind of hard to keep going. Never understood that before, but understand it now. Listen, look these things in the face when they happen, and you tell them these convictions you're told, right? Kick the devil in the junk, right? Seriously. I'm going to keep going anyway. I'm going to keep reading the Bible anyway. When it hurts, I'm going to read it again until it doesn't hurt. Right? We can fight, y'all. Where did these right that We can fight. It proved to be true. I'm not going to lie, partially because I chose to believe it in the face of everything else. Um, what supported that? I had a devotion life. Um, a guy, an old guy with his missionaries that comes through here. Y'all know John Cushel? Yeah. Okay. When I was your age, I was like, yeah, I'm not much of a reader. You know, I one of those like little conversations with him. Like, <laughs> I'm like a D for the great kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got a YouTube video like Audible way of like I'm not anyway. <laughs> this guy looked me right in the eye, I kid you not. He looked me right in the eye and was, well then you probably won't make it in life. <laughs> Start talking to somebody else. 
He's not taking that back. You know, I gotta save my life that night. Is it echo? I needed that uh, sting. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to challenge you. It's come from a guy that doesn't like to read, doesn't like to engage, doesn't really care. Just you know what I'm saying? Seems to be free. If you don't get a devotion life, you won't make it. I'm not going to tell you, like, I'll oh, just get the YouTube version of life. I know. I lived a little while now. I had the friends that did that. It didn't work out for them. Right? They, they're either, like, floating around thinking they're making it, or they're, like, full on taking off. Get a hold of God. Do whatever it takes. Work that muscle until it's not lazy anymore. Yeah. Hear me? Yeah. I hope I'm not stomping. I hope I'm not stomping on toes unless it's like John did me. You know what I'm saying? Like, is that, your life matters. Yeah. Our future needs you guys to get it. Right? So, these are the convictions that I have in my heart that I wanted to share. There's so much more that we could share. Um, but I have found in all the hard things that I've gone through that these convictions are being taught are true. And they hold. And you will have people that say they're not. But we're witnesses for their own lives that it's true. We're so full of hope for you guys. I'm excited. I am so thankful for what God has done here um, in the last, well, it's been like, what, 30 years? I think since I came. So thankful for, I mean, the hundreds of missionaries that God has raised up and sent out. And I am equally as grateful for the thousands of people who've gone in the marketplace for Jesus. And both callings are noble, and both callings are God's calling. And I think we just want to leave you with that. But this, this thing that Rick was sharing with us, why do we work? It was God's command, right? In the beginning, it was his command that we work, that we bring order to chaos, that we go and be fruitful. It was his command also that we go into all the nations and make disciples. And they are, it's not either or, it's not one for the missionaries and one for me, it's both for all of us. And there's a calling that rests on your shoulders. And so we just want to, we want to invite Richard and Sam back up. So just take a few minutes. Um, those last two thoughts that Rick left you with, if, if, that, if there's something in your heart as you're getting ready not to leave, maybe in the summer or March or May, but as you go into the world, um, and you realize that there are some secret ambitions um, in your heart that don't want to back with them. Um, we want to encourage you to find a place to pray. Maybe with your strong leader, you could just step out and just as an act of obedience to the Lord. And I want to just quickly say what, what Rick was saying about um, owning the things. Uh, he doesn't mean like own it the way the world does. Like, this is my fill in the He means... This is me, Lord. This is my my issue, and I give it to you now. Um, if it's someone else's, then I can't give it away. And if it's mine, I can give it to God. And so tonight, let's give it to the Lord. The secret ambitions we have. Let's let go of our identity apart from Christ. And maybe you need to just confess. Maybe you've been faking it until you make it. But Lord, I need a real thought life with you. I need a real devotional life. Um, we know the Lord loves you and he has um, amazing purposes over your heart and life, but they don't, they don't happen just by 
magic, right? It can happen through the hard work of submission to Christ and to his will. And the only way that we know that is through knowing him. So let's stand and worship and move to pray if the Lord's speaking to you. But we're really excited to hear what God does through you as we go through this place. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we magnify. 